space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Well, I think this is a very Pete-centric episode. It is. We've <laughs> talked about doing an episode like this for a while. Yes, we have. And yes, we have. The moment is now. I'm very excited for this. I've been waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay or... IP or property that IP. made us gay. I love it. I love it. Well, we have a very special guest uh, on the show today, uh, all the way a- from across the pond uh, from Trek Culture. We have Sean Farrick. Sean, welcome to the show. Welcome. Oh my goodness! Listen to oh, that. Stop. Oh, stop! I have a reception stop. for you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That is brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, you know, I am uh, a fan of Star Trek, obviously, but I found Trek Culture on YouTube, and I have to say, uh, the recaps uh, are amazing. You know, for all the oh, new shows. So Discovery, as well as uh, Lower Decks, which I love. But you know what really got me are the kind of like behind-the-scenes facts about the ships. Oh, man, I love those episodes. Things you didn't know about, you know, Enterprise E, all that. Mm-hmm. That's oh, my God, there's just so much information there. Uh, our writer, Paul Sutherland, I, I don't know where he comes up with some of this information. It's incredible. He is our <laughs> go-to guy for ships. Like, I'm pretty sure he could build a warp core. And as long as you just don't ask him where he got the materials from, I think you'll be fine. I was going to say, out of household objects, maybe? <laughs> we'll discuss that bit off. Yeah, there. yeah, later, yeah. later, later. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I really connected to Trek Culture through there. And then just kind of in doing a little bit of research, uh, you know, watching your videos and also Adam, Adam Clary, and just kind of uh, being the cyber stalker that I am, I was like – I knew there was something about Sean Farrick that I could latch on to. And it's, you know, being a, a queer, out queer person talking about Star Trek and sci-fi. And I was just like, it's just so crazy how there is just such this kind of like queer embracing of Star Trek as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's it's funny because in a way, over the last couple of years, and I suppose specifically since 2016 with the release of Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. there has been a, con- a very open conversation about mm-hmm. the inclusivity of Star Trek at the moment mm-hmm. and in terms of representation, in terms of the queer community, which had been – if if we're just brutal about it for a second, it had been lacking oh, in yeah. the franchise up to that point. There had been attempts, and there are some wonderful, wonderful examples and some not so wonderful examples. But you know, since since the fiftieth anniversary, it's mm-hmm. it's it's gotten an awful lot better. And yet, as you say, it has been this almost like this this green light on the on the the dock that we're all looking at yeah. that uh, so <laughs> many queer people just tend to gravitate towards star trek yeah um and i think not to get too mushy mushy about it but i think it's because it preaches this utopian right. better mm-hmm. future yeah yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when it really comes down to it, that's kind of what brings in, you know, uh, queer people and kind of gives us this idea of like, okay, we can, you know, fit in somewhere. Yeah, that's when it's a little mushy, but, you know, I think you're right. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, because again, we, you know, we were talking a little bit before we've, we've done a, a Star Wars episode on the show yeah. and there are definitely queer Star Wars fans, but I, I really feel like the fandom for Star Trek, I mean, slash fiction originated. Yes, it did. Oh, did it? I didn't know that. That's what the slash is. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I didn't know that. Yeah. So slash fiction, I'm, I know I'm going to get some of the facts Yo, wrong yeah, here. Yeah. I know that it's 1967 mm. and I know that it's Kirk Spock, yeah. which is where slash fiction originates from. I know the author whose name escapes me. I know uh, she was a female author. Right. She published in a magazine mm-hmm. and it was the beginning of what we now know colloquially as mm-hmm. slash fiction. And Because it was it Kirk just- slash Spock. Exactly. Absolutely. That is, you're 100% correct. Um, And it just took off in a way that I don't think anyone was quite expecting at the time. Yeah. Kind of slash fiction has gone on to other kind of big. Oh, it's everywhere. It's Harry Potter. Big franchises, Harry Potter. I didn't learn about slash fiction until I was in college and a friend told me about Harry Potter slash fiction. Yeah. And I was just like, excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? This is a thing. Yeah. One hundred percent. Actually, I, 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 I myself have read quite a few oh. Harry and Cedric uh, <laughs> fictions, and I have quite enjoyed them. Oh yes, oh, Harry and that, Cedric. I think That's the one that uh, my friend told me about, of course, was Harry and Draco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think like that. That at this point should just like transcend slash fiction and just be its own HBO series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like either a side series to the Harry Potter, like the main storyline, mm. or we could just do well. What happens in Wizard College? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Experimenting Experiment- with the bodies. Yeah, <laughs> there mm-hmm. you go. One hundred percent experimentation. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, there's. I didn't see one. We we got eight movies. I did not see one health class. Yeah, or sex education pamphlet. They, they have to they, figure they, that shit out for go. themselves. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, look, everyone's gonna, we're gonna experiment, we're gonna experiment with wands, we'll experiment with other things as well. <laughs> and we look, it's very important that we have a very well uh rounded education course and i really feel this has gone down a rabbit hole but i regret nothing (laughs) absolutely so i mean you know star trek is a 50 plus year old franchise and when we're talking about this slash slash fiction kind of you know emergence in the 60s you said you know the show came out in the 60s you this obviously this is you know pre everything pre everything yep nerd culture not you know internet uh conventions all of that and star trek kind of had a hand in all of that shit right i mean yes it did specifically actually you mentioned conventions yeah. specifically conventions it's not to say that star trek invented right, the convention right. circuit but it was how quickly the conventions exploded mm-hmm. that kept start i mean star trek was dead yeah. in 1969 it mm-hmm. was a failed television show it had lost in the ratings pretty much every single week to shows like lost in space um and you know if that had been the end of star star trek it would have been another footnote in oh. television history despite the things that it had done it had put a black woman on the bridge and we like the importance of Nichelle Nichols and Uhura has been discussed ad nauseum and rightly so yeah it had put an Asian man 
on the bridge at a time when, you know, people were still dealing with the fallout of World War Two. And then you also had the Cold War was raging. You had a Russian, let's be honest, the fifth Beatle was sitting there, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, played by the very non-Russian Walter Koenig, right. which was hilarious. Um, and that's fine. And that coloured how I understood Russian people for my entire, the entirety of the oh, 90s. Absolutely. Like, my mind was blown when I saw an interview with him. And it's just like, what? Uh, <laughs> what, what? What do you mean that's not how you say nuclear whistles? Um, and it, but, but all of that could have easily been forgotten. And then the fans just, they just connected with it yeah. in a way that... You know, obviously they had hoped, but no one had really expected because there was no precedent. There was right. nothing to say. Everyone's going to get together in a hotel, yeah. uh, dressed up <laughs> yeah. as their favorite characters, mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah. the animated series came along. And you know, it was it was kind of a a, a gasp of breath. It's actually mm-hmm. like I've, I've just done a rewatch of it. It's so seventies. I love it, but oh, it was like man, a little gasp beautiful. of breath. <laughs> you, I mean, you regularly watch the. You regularly watch the, the animated, animated series, series like on Paramount, Plus. on Paramount Plus all the time. It's gas. I, but the counterclock incident, I just watch and watch and watch. I love that episode. I love the fact it was literally like somebody sat down and said, right, how much can we get away with drawing? And exactly how many characters can we get James Doohan to voice before we have <laughs> <Yeah>. to pay him? <laughs> he does so many voices. Nichelle Nichols and Majel Barrett do... Two actresses do every female voice on that yep. show. I love it. <laughs> but it is so 70s. Oh, my goodness. Now, what's the production company behind it? Is it That's Filmation. It's Filmation. Yeah. Filmation. Yeah, yes. okay. So they had also – correct me if I'm wrong. Did they, they had also done – oh, I want to say it's Masters of the Universe. Or am I making that up in my head? No, they Masters did. Masters and That's. I was going to yeah. say that's why all the female characters on um, the, the sexy lady planet – um, they all look like Shira. <laughs> they all have the one face. But um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the animated series did kind of breathe new life into the show um, as as low budget as it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, what year was the animated series? 70- 72 to 73. Okay. It, it officially has two seasons, but the second season is like six episodes. Yeah. So it's pretty much the one. If mm-hmm. you know, And I'm I mean. assuming that's a Saturday morning show. Yes, 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I know that's where I caught it. Uh, even though obviously I caught it on reruns, it was yeah. still – it was a Saturday morning show. Yeah, uh, I remember my, my dad probably just to be like, Sean, shut up for a while. Here's yeah. some nice animation. <laughs> OK, this is great. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I remember just being transfixed by mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And having done the rewatch – actually, I'd be interested to see, Peter, what you think of this. I'm going to do the rewatch of it. Right. OK, the animation has aged yes. and the music has aged and that's fine. But – and as far as stories go, they could be just any other episode of the original series. They didn't skimp when it came to the actual writing. It's just mm-hmm. the execution sometimes. Absolutely. I, I mean, being... And also Filmation just had a reputation of doing that sure. all, throughout, yeah. all throughout their series too. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's for being a show, I mean, ostensibly aimed at children, it doesn't talk down to the kids at all. It doesn't dumb down any of the subject matter or anything like that. And they're kind of high concept sci-fi mm-hmm. shows. So and and that I think that's the thing about Star Trek too is that you know again I'm gonna stop going back to Star Wars but you know this was something that they really kind of took to heart almost um, too much so in the making of the motion picture in that Star Wars is fantasy Star Wars is for the entire family Star Trek this is hard sci-fi mm-hmm. this is high concept ideas this is you know. 
2001 yeah. for the masses. Absolutely. And it, it, I was actually just this week reading this great interview with George Lucas uh, mm-hmm. about it was a retrospective about kind of how Star Wars came to be, both in terms of the ideas behind it and then the logistics of how it came to be. And he credits Star Trek as setting this setting the stage, not that it inspired the story of mm-hmm. Star Wars, mm-hmm. but that because of Star Trek and shows like Star Trek, they were able to get these ideas greenlit that there was an audience mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And then funnily enough, Star Wars comes out, it does absolute gangbusters and <laughs> changes the way people looks at cinema, and then every other studio and including Fox go Oh my good God! We need to do sci-fi, and we need to do it now. Yeah. What, what what do we got? What do we got here? What's that weird Roddenberry fella doing today? <laughs> He's just hanging around the lot. Do you have any ideas for us? What's phase two? No, don't like that one, but we yeah. do like that idea. And then the motion picture. Here's your blank check. And um, I mean, going right into you know the films, Star Trek the motion picture. It's like it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's, my good it's God! It's like, insane. It, it it literally like you mentioned you're so right it it takes so much inspiration from 2001 a space yeah. odyssey yeah like when they're flying through the cr- the cloud that is their oh, version yeah. of the space gate yeah uh, absolutely and you know there is you know m- many's a time it's been uh shall i say late on a friday and yeah. um you know just be like <laughs> what 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 and i will have to say the word what three times uh, will i watch this evening yeah. i know Star Trek the motion picture, and I know I'm going to have a good time. Is it the most exciting film in the world? No. (laughs) It is, however, visually very Mm -hmm. impressive. Oh, yeah. And it's just the motionless picture is an absolutely fair nickname. (laughs) And also, like, the director that they got from it. I mean, it's the the director. It's Robert Wise who did The Haunting and The Sound of Music. So, I mean, Paramount was breaking out the big guns when doing the Star Trek movie. Yeah. Like, they weren't like, fucking around. West Side Story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, we'll just get this this, this little known fella. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So, Insane. as you say, they wanted this film to do well. And they wanted it so much that the fact that it wasn't massively well received, right. not it wasn't slated or anything. It made money, but it cost a ton of money yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't the success they wanted it to be. And so they took a load of money off it and said, oh, throw us out a sequel, will you? And then we got The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. Come on. I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the Star Trek movies, but I do love me some Wrath of Khan. Sure. <laughs> Iconic. Sure. I- Iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it also starts the uh, the legendary Star Trek film rule of all the even numbers are good. All the odd numbers mm-hmm. are not so Is that good. Simon Pegg in uh, <laughs> what was it? Was it spaced? I think it's in space where mm-hmm. they initially say it, and not one of the movies. But I mean, it's true. Everybody just knows it's true. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, and in fairness, like, obviously, listen. It is literally my job to yeah. talk about slash defend Star Trek. I. Both, I I reject that claim out right. of hand. It is nonsense. It's mean. It's also, I mean, I see where people are coming from. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I also see that they made Star Trek Nemesis to break the rule. See, mm. aren't they so considerate? Mm. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Nemesis, man, Jeez, that one. Okay. But it, it was number ten. It was an even number. It was number ten. Uh, what's the What's the rule about? Uh, I think. Um, uh, Galaxy Quest fits in there somewhere. 
And well, that one breaks. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one breaks the rule. If you fit that one in as a as a Star Trek movie, it it breaks I the like rule. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. because I, yeah. I think I think Galaxy Quest because uh, I was only writing about this the other day, that comes late 90s. I think it comes after yeah. First Contact, before Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like, although that does make Insurrection although an even film. Insurrection, yeah, I think, I was like 98, and Galaxy Quest was December of 99. Oh, okay. Do you know, oh, I went into Insurrection oh, okay. when I was in the sixth grade, blind. I had I didn't really grow up on Star Trek. Like, I wasn't introduced it by a parent. Yeah. Like, I went he has to... Me. The Saturday matinee at my small town theater, and they were playing Star Trek Insurrection, and I went in blind, knowing nothing about Star Trek. (laughs) And I think that I just sat in the theater, just, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Oh, that is that is such a because like because you know the the big criticism it gets is oh it's like a long episode of the Next Generation, Mm -hmm. and then we're going like we love the Next Generation, that's great. But if I'd never seen an episode of The Next nope. Generation, I'd be like, what's going on? Yep. <laughs> Why is the albino dude going yeah. weird? What's happening? Why did he shave his beard? He looks ridiculous. <laughs> and why is that fella getting his arse shaved, like pulled up over his face? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Last, yeah. left the theater a very confused 12-year-old boy. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't until I came around and started forcing him to watch all this Star Trek. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm kind of that basic Star Trek fan that I didn't grow up on Star Trek, but I definitely remember the J.J. Abrams movies when I was in college. Oh, well, there you go. Because, like, we all saw Star Trek 2009. Like, yeah. it was a huge deal when it came out. And it made it like, yeah, it it made stupid amounts of money yes. at the cinema because this is we were like this was now the if you think the last maybe fifteen years we've sort of changed the way we look at a successful film now like if a film doesn't do hundreds of millions of dollars yes, yes. it's a flop mm-hmm. um, whereas before start two thousand and nine the f- uh, the voyage home the one with the whales that had been the most successful Star Trek film because wow. it hadn't cost relatively an awful lot of money right. and i think it made somewhere in the thing about 150 million dollars which is crazy crazy yeah. for the third sequel to an okay sci-fi film yeah and then along comes star trek 2009 and it's just like i'll have your wallet and i'll have your wallet yeah, thank you very yeah. much i mean that's the thing about the film series with the original series cast is that you know even with uh, the motion picture in 79 these are actors of a certain that's what always gets me whenever i revisit (laughs) these movies that i'm just like everybody in this movie is fucking old (laughs) it's just like now it's just like you have to have like chris pine nice arms (laughs) just like all of these guys on the enterprise just need to sort of be in shape yeah and yeah you just get like all even, these old men. <laughs> even Bones. They got freaking Carl Urban for Bones. Like, he's the skinniest. Like, <laughs> DeForest Kelly, I love, I love him, but he just has the physique of Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I love <laughs> I know exactly. Because, like, my, for me, my experience with Carl Urban had been the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, great. So, Aomer is mm-hmm. now the doctor on board the Enterprise. That is fine with me. Whereas, as you say, the one before, he was... A country doctor. Yes. That was exactly. He was. He was looked exactly the part, you yeah, know. And he yeah. had the little pinky ring the on his finger, oh and goodness. you know, you always knew somewhere in the room there was a shot of whiskey just waiting oh, mm-hmm. to be drank. Absolutely. And yeah, and yet Carl Urban does this this fantastic both impression yeah. and a sort of a twist on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pretty much the only one of that cast doing like a version of the original character too. 
I think so. I think it, it would definitely him number one, and then you see because Quinto does a great spark, but in a way not to belittle Leonard Nimoy's performance, but emotionless right. or restrained mm-hmm. emotion Vulcan, it's a little bit easier right. to do that. But again, before I am eaten alive, um, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy is amazing I mean, as Bucky is, but Zach Quinto yes. does a great job. Yes. And then, yes, after that, I would actually say probably Chris Pine. There's enough Shatner-isms, sure. mm-hmm. but he's definitely his own Kirk. Right, right. And Anton just doing Russian accent. But like a proper yeah, Russian, but a proper accent. Russian accent, because Anton is like uh, he has Russian parents. He does. He's from like yes. a Russian immigrant family. Yeah, indeed. Um, I I love that as well. Just the joke of like you know, kind of we had to do the Victor, Victor. Sorry, I do not understand. <laughs> Victor, Victor. Oh, so good, so good. And see, yeah, that's the thing that like little, not little touches. I think the you know Chekhov's accent of the the Wessels. That's one of the things that's kind of crossover. As far as like mm. most people know, you know, these little Star Trek isms. And that's the other thing that, like I said before, this franchise is over 50 years old. So, you know, it's just become part of mm-hmm. pop culture yeah. worldwide, globally, you know. And um, so it's it's kind of accessible in that aspect. But then when I'm watching something, I may be watching a particularly cerebral episode of Next Generation. And Scott might just be like. They haven't left <laughs> that room with the big glowing popsicle at all. <laughs> they are not doing anything. Fair. 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 I mean, that's that that's fair. A lot a lot of next gen. Um like th- I think the fun of next gen now is we can go back and watch it and we are now so conditioned, and I very much include myself in this, we are so conditioned to a much faster pace yes. of television, yeah. of storytelling, um that you know, you get entire ten-minute scenes where, as as you say, we're, we're we're sitting in a room, we're looking at the glowing thing, and I might say something now and be a couple of lines. We'll have a chat about what I just said, yeah. and it's grand, and it's grand. And you can understand, you know, people who are maybe coming to the franchise now who have grown up on faster pace, faster pace, yeah, faster yeah. pace, going like kind of like uh, I'm not going to scream into the mic, but like get to the fucking point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is it bad yeah. or is it good? Why is nobody firing a phaser? Yeah. Which I'm massively generalizing. Don't get me wrong. Right, of course. But it, it, you're, you're kind of like, yeah. I, I mean, see, I grew up with this. I, yes. I saw this back yeah. in, you know, um, when, when I, I think it was about ninety three, ninety four. I started mm-hmm. kind of catching, or I started remembering catching sure. Trek for the first time. I, I am told. I've been watching it since I was two years old. Uh, uh, strangely, wow. I do not have much memory what? of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, especially now when we watch something like Discovery, and that looks like a, each episode looks like a movie. Yeah. It's shot so completely differently, you know, it just has a different feel, different tone. And and obviously now when you watch something from the 90s, especially television, the pacing is a little is a little off, and which brings us back to the motion picture. The pacing. Yeah. I mean, it's a two-hour movie. Feels like four. <laughs> it does. I, it does. It's 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 a funny one in several ways. It's that – it's a movie that, you know, it's kind of like, right, get in, get comfortable. We're here. We're going to tell you our story in yeah. our time. Um, it's about a 45-minute story yes. told over two hours. Yes. Um, now, I am the weirdo who, like, that 10-minute – scene of the enterprise in dry dock i will watch that on repeat <laughs> it's very beautiful 
It's mm-hmm. oh my god, yeah. stunning. Douglas yeah. Trumbull, rest in peace, oh uh, did such an amazing, yes. amazing job on that. And again, I am just gushing all over that because it's my favorite Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. However, if somebody was to turn around and go, the music is lovely, the ship is very nice. Isn't there some sort of world-destroying cloud <laughs> about five minutes that way? Yeah. And you've taken the Arseways route to fly around the ship, around the moon. You've kind of taken in Jupiter to come back to this ship. Oh, yeah. We don't care about the cloud. Grand, no. cool. Just yeah, so yeah. we're on the same page. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the wormhole scene. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, the wormhole. The wormhole scene is like, how long? The, uh, the sheer amount of that god awful like red alert like klaxon like noise oh, that's a full yeah. like if you edit there could be a supercut of that full 10 minutes um, i'm sure there is yeah, yeah there's sure. probably one of those like 24 hour <laughs> videos on youtube yes. of just that yes and somebody will listen to it oh and absolutely. they and they will go through it absolutely. for a copyright claim yes um I, I came into Star Wars as a as a young kid. My father and my uncle and my grandfather all watched it. Um, my uncle or my grandfather would take naps every day in the afternoon at about three o'clock when he was retired, and he would wake up without being disturbed. Wake up on his own at six o'clock because Star Trek started. He wouldn't fall asleep at three. He'd fall asleep at the other. But he'd wake up on his own because Star Trek was on at six on Channel Thirteen, and we'd all have to stop whatever we were watching, change it, so we could all sit down and watch Star, Star Trek. Um, and when the motion picture, remember the first time I ever saw the motion picture, I was just kind of like not really understanding what was going on. I was very very young, but Ilya was just something that I was just like. Who is that? Yeah. What is she doing? Uh, where can I get a robe that short? Yeah. And the little I, like, I can hook you up with a, <laughs> a shorty robe and a little uh, plastic, you know, the little plastic kitten heel, the little lucite heel mm-hmm. that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Why does when she's in the sonic shower and the robe forms around her? Sure, maybe they can materialize a robe in the sonic shower. The little heels. I don't. 1979, man. <laughs> the little um, heels just show up. A little disco. It. little disco heel. Mm-hmm. Love it. But I was just mesmerized by her. Her, uh, the way she would speak. I mean, I know she was doing kind of like, I am robot Ilya voice. But, you know, <laughs> the, the, just the way she would kind of deliver these lines, you know, Kirk unit and all that and her accents and everything. I was just fascinated by this woman and just how like fierce and disco and she's bald you know yep. and purses can buy- i mean oh my goodness what can we say she's just mesmerizing be absolutely beautiful i yes. uh, i remember she had been cast in you know star trek phase two which itself is just a fascinating story yes. of again all of these efforts all of these efforts all of these efforts and you kind of get the feeling you're just like ah uh, just keep them busy throw them another <laughs> couple of quid and yeah, yeah go build some more sets oh yeah Shit, we need a film. Okay, yeah, yeah. But she had been cast in that. There's these great, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like makeup tests, mm-hmm, nearly, of her mm-hmm. in original series uh, garb. But, and she know. still has, oh, she has a hairstyle for it. They decided to go completely bald for the film. Um, and she is, her command in that film is just wonderful, both as Lieutenant Ilea and mm-hmm. as the V'ger probe. Yeah. Um, and she's very much the – you can see the inspiration for early Troy yes. in her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this is not a word against Marina Sirtis. The execution of early TNG, unfortunately, it, it just it, it went. I think it went a little bit more for statements as opposed to performance. Right. Um, whereas you can get away with that in a motion picture where you have X amount of time. You know, you, you kind of kind of need to get to the point a little bit yeah. over a series. It's a bit like. Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting accent we're choosing there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he is... was just commenting yeah. on the, the where, Troy. Where exactly is she from? She made she she made it up. She developed this accent because she's, she's from everywhere. She's, yeah. And this actress yeah. is what is the nationality of that she's actress? Welsh. I she's mean, just, she's just she's English, English Welsh. Welsh. She's yeah. Love she's it. English. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like Welsh, kind of like Catherine Zeta Jones. Well, like I mean, vaguely ethnic for like casting. Well, no, Marina Sirtis is Greek. Okay, but like her sure. her parentage is Greek, okay. but she's English. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it, it's so funny that as the films, more so even than the series went on, you start to hear her natural mm-hmm. accent the starts films, to come yeah. through. And if you get to Star Trek Picard, the episode Nepenthe, yep. like that's as close to Marina Sirtis as I think any studio is going to allow Marina Sirtis to be right. yes. while on film because she is absolutely hilarious in interviews because there is oh, no yeah. filter whatsoever. Amazing. I, I always noticed in um, First Contact when she says the line, would you two like to be alone? I was like, that's just her. There's no yep. Troy in that at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love that they gave her character more agency because as well, if you think about the next generation, it it had a very strange relationship with strong female characters. Yes, yes. If you look at season one, mm-hmm. on on the surface – Great, you've got Denise Crosby, you've got Marina Sirtis, and you've got Gates McFadden. Mm-hmm. So fantastic. This is great. We've got representation. This yep. is wonderful. Suddenly, Denise Crosby's gone. Yeah. Uh, because of how things happen behind the, behind the scenes. Yep. Uh, it was poor handling, and suddenly, right, she's out. Then, likewise, Gates McFadden is gone. Yep. So suddenly, you've gone from three female characters to just one. And then they do bring in Diana Muldaur for season two. Yeah. But that never really works the way they really wanted it to. There yeah. was butting heads behind the scenes. And then she's gone. And so you've gone from what seems like good representation in season one of not an equal amount of, say, um, at the time, like male to female mm-hmm. um, or some sort of gender balance. Uh, suddenly you're just like, you're really not doing too good here. Yeah. And all the way along they still keep giving Troy terrible storylines. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, guys, come on, do better. Do better, please. Yeah. But, I mean, as her storylines get uh, worse or maybe smaller, uh, her hair gets just keeps bigger getting, and bigger. Just becoming more and more drag. <laughs> oh, my God. How, do you know the uh, drag queen Jackie Cox? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the most amazing... Uh, cosplay of Deanna Troy, I think I've ever seen. Jackie has a good one, and also Alaska Thunderfuck Alaska has a really is, good. Is she has good, a really good Deanna it Troy. Was a, it was Alaska's mm-hmm. was a one-off, and she's not a super fan. I think Jackie was like really as a fan, going like, "I'm going to do Troy." 
Oh, that is amazing. I would definitely check out Alaska's. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen that one yet. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I love that so much. <laughs> um, even even Beverly Crusher is a very, like, drag character because she's so, like, feminine. She, and she's just glamorous. She's so glamorous Beverly, and beautiful. And, well, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. Gates McFadden is just a stunning woman. Yeah. So it's just like... Stunning older lady. She can't yeah. get away with just not looking like a glamorous, just like, 80s Just woman. looks like she just walked off the set of <laughs> Dynasty or something. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. At the, there are photos from the Picard premiere, season one premiere, red carpet, and Gates McFadden is in like a purple pantsuit, and she, oh my, I couldn't, I was like, I can't get enough. These, she looks amazing. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it's funny, so, and, and thanks to Star Trek Prodigy, she's back. Yes. I mean, come yes. on. Come on. Prodigy, I'm, I'm loving Prodigy. I I have to say I'm big big fan of Prodigy. I did go in with a bit of trepidation because it's just like, what does it mean to have a show for? Mm -hmm. Now, never mind. That's all gone. This is it's excellent. Yeah. Um, I want to dip back into the movies. Uh, I want to go into uh, Star Trek Two to talk about what I think is the first gay character in Star Trek in uh, Kirk's son David. Yeah. We're obsessed with this actor, Merrick Butler. I'm Butrick. Butrick. But, Butrick. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. From, yes. from Square Pegs. From Square Pegs. Have you ever seen Square Pegs? American TV show actually, with SJP? I have not. I, I know he was in it. No, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. It's He's cute. so adorable yeah. in Square Pegs of this, yeah. just this cute little emo kid he's, he's new from wave, the 80s. New wave, 80s, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean... And you know, I, I I think he's great in the role. I think I thought he was great in the role that he came back for for Next Generation. But the way that David is, I think it's even there on the page. His best friend is his mother. He wants to play. He just wants nothing more than to play bridge with his mother mm-hmm. after work. Bridge, are I, we meeting later for bridge? Oh, I on. love that so come much. On. Sorry, like because you're so, you're you're so right. I mean, and. I mean, the, the dating pool is probably pretty thin <laughs> on regular one. On regular one, um, that's a small station. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I just, I kind of, I love the confidence he played the character with. And then yes, even yes. when that confidence fades, mm-hmm. I just love his presence yeah. on the screen. I Obviously, I would have loved to have seen him in as many films as we could. Yes. I understand, although... If if our reading of it is is say it's accurate and he was uh, at least a queer character, uh-huh. then technically Star Trek Three falls under the barrier gaze trope, um, uh-huh. which I'm not sure how I feel about that. Is this like oh okay? Because I do understand why David had to be the one to yeah take the knife to get sacrificed yeah i mean well that's the thing it's like this is they're introducing a big idea in star trek and that kirk has this adult son mm-hmm. you know um and so what is this character going to be like you know his mother is carol marcus she's just like you know this great scientist so he, he takes on a lot of her attributes but at, you know at the same time his father is Jim Kirk. And so, like you said, he does have, you know, very, you know, he has heroic elements to him and and all that. But it's like it's kind of a big deal to write this character that we've never seen before as an audience. And I think we just all accept him pretty easy. And I don't know if it's just because I know, you know, 
I don't remember not remembering this movie. Mm-hmm. I just always remember sure. Wrath of Khan. So I can't speak to what it was like the first time seeing this character and being like, David, Kirk's son, who is he? You know, But um, to me, I just... He's just always been there as this character. And, you know, I think for even for Kirk not really knowing about him, you know, what ultimately does happen to him him in Star Trek three. And then Kirk's kind of um, resentment of that, that we see later on that's used against him in Undiscovered Country. It's like he does care about David. You know, he didn't have a relationship with him. But when he found out about him, he was just like, "Okay, that's my son. Um, so it's a very yeah. interesting uh, character that has a lot of big ideas ar- around him. Very much so, because like he's both a, a, a fantastic character on his own, and yet he's also a great – not trope so much as facet of Kirk, yeah. because the death of David, as you rightly say, is a huge part of Kirk's journey for the rest mm-hmm. of the original series films. Mm-hmm. Because even even into generations, because what is Kirk's main nemesis is not the Klingons. It's his own age. It's right. time. It's the idea mm-hmm. of kind of fading away. And this is something that crosses over into Picard, which is, you know, Picard with the loss of Robert and Rene. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the last Picard. Jim Kirk is potentially the last Kirk. Although, joking, not joking, but the amount of action he got in the original <laughs> series, the fact that it's only David. Right. Is, is yeah. like, well, uh, hang on. I think there could be another, you yeah. know, kind of like another David out there. The only one that but he that, knows about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I just, I, I love, and like with, with all, I realized in a way this is before my time, but with massive gratitude to Nicholas Meyer for including the the posthumous photo of Merrick Buttrick of right. David in the Undiscovered Country, yeah. who had of course passed away at that stage. Yeah. That was a relatively late in the day edition, is that they oh, wanted okay. to oh. include this tribute mm-hmm. to Merrick Buttrick. And it's so funny because in in a way that it becomes a massive plot point in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um yeah, and I mean, great, great actor. Like we said, if if uh, listeners, if you can track down Square Pegs, uh, so it's a fun cute show. Square Pegs. I mean, he's in great eighties trash like Death Spa. Too. Oh, that's right, he's in Death. Spa. He's in Death Spa. I think okay. that he's in uh, um, Fright Night Two. Oh, okay. also. yes, okay. Mm-hmm. I did. Yes. All right, and yeah, uh, unfortunately, he did uh, pass away. He uh, of AIDS related complications in the the very early 90s. Um, While we are on the subject of the Wrath of Khan, put it to rest. Chest, breastplate. I thought it was a breastplate when I first watched it. 100% real. (laughs) That's what I said. Ricardo, I mean, that's some, like, old man strength right there. (laughs) That, that, like, that old man, that, like... That that chest, That chest. Those chesticles, they're (laughs) there on full display. I think that it's completely real. I don't think that prosthetics in 1982 moved that way on the body you can tell even a bald cap you Mm -hmm. can tell when skin Mm. it doesn't look that much like skin and his that chest that looks like skin it moves like a real just ricardo this barrel chested older guy (laughs) like i'm you know there's so much talk about the fact that he and uh william shatner they never actually stand in the same room together frankly kirk's a lucky man 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be scared. Uh, <laughs> he, be he's scared. not winning that fight. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, you got the huge. Ch- he's got like the broken, um, like Starfleet insignia, like medallion, like right there. I love like his. You know, they're not his henchmen. They're his. You know, his compatriots. His family, His family, uh, but all of their aesthetic of just the like the tattered yeah. Starfleet uniforms and their like their long hair, very like post-apocalyptic, like Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. very mm-hmm. much. So. I love the fact that after 15 years marooned on a planet, mm-hmm. uh, they were able to keep up to date with the 80s fashion mm-hmm. trends, and oh, I, yes. I, I I appreciate some that like so fierce much. workout wear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They, they could have stepped off the set of Wrath of Khan and walked onto the physical set by <laughs> Olivia Newton John. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? It would have been better for it. Oh, yes. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Ricardo Montalban, great. Uh, I believe his like his main lieutenant is uh, Joaquin or Joaquim, the, yes. the character. Love that, love that actor, love that guy, because he's the one that's just kind of like, uh, he has, he always has a little bit of hesitation about like going too far. He knows that Khan's like a little like obsessed. Yours is the superior intellect, yeah. Poor old Judson Scott. He's uncredited. Uh, oh. He's he's not credited in the film. There was wow. um, a little bit of negotiation kerfuffle. Oh, no. uh, to and I, I you know uh, allegedly allegedly sure. before I'm sued, but <laughs> apparently uh, this is on his agent. Um, there was a little bit of too much holding out, and the fact oh, that yes, no. it's a, despite how much of a large role he has, yeah. he's not credited at all. Now he wow. would come back. To Star Trek. In fact, in the episode that Mary Butcher uh, returns in, oh, he is okay. also in that episode. Oh, okay. Uh, he very much is credited in that episode. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Fun. Um, yeah, Star Trek 2 has a lot of really great stuff. Um, we get fierce Kirstie Alley. I know that Kirstie Alley is not a very pleasant Kirstie woman Alley to talk about, but, but she's days, kind of fierce, though. But she's, she's <laughs> she, great. She's excellent in this film. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those credit where credit is due. Yeah. yeah. Kirstie Alley Savick is. I, I would have loved to have seen more of – I love Robin Curtis because I yeah. actually – I remember Robin Curtis seeing that Savick before First. seeing Kirstie okay. Alley Savick mm-hmm. for whatever crazy reason. Why did I was she, introduced out of order she come back? to the films. Was uh, it like salary was, thing? Uh, again, there's there's a lot of he said, she said, but yeah. money. money. Sure. Money yeah, at the end so. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, – she has some really funny moments with, with Kirk and with and, – I mean, who's holding up the damn elevator? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, she she she's really she's it's a great character. Um I mean, was uh Valeris originally written to be Savic? So, uh no, but nobody told Kim Cattrall. So okay. Kim Cattrall was a Trekkie uh-huh. and had been approached to play this female Vulcan in the Undiscovered Country, and she turned it down. She's, sure. uh, with the quote, I don't want to be the third actor to play this same character. And then, uh, now, for the life of me, I, I don't know whether it was Nicholas Meyer or Leonard Nimoy went, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and she said, well, you know, Savit went, no, like, it, it, you're right, it's a female Vulcan role, uh-huh. sure, but no, it's not Savic. Okay. Um, now, and it, you see, because that's been mixed up with the story that Roddenberry and Meyer went effectively toe-to-toe over. Roddenberry was enraged at the idea of turning Savick into a villain, to oh, okay. which Meyer responded, 
she's my fucking character. I'll do whatever the <laughs> fuck I want with her. Thank you very much. And then, so that story kind of gets mashed together with yeah. when Kim Cattrall found out. And it's like, so no, so no is the short answer. Um, and although it would have made sense. Yeah, it could have. Oh. I think so. It's, <clears throat> it's interesting that Nicholas Meyer came in, um, much like Robert Wise, not having a lot of background in Star Trek, but I, I feel like Wrath of Khan introduced so many aspects of, you know, Starfleet and the Federation and that have just become, you know, part of the lore. Like if you think about it, obviously, like there's so much from the original series, which is still in yeah. play today. But things like the needs of the many, that yeah. comes from yeah. the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um, you have so much of the way ships are run. Yeah. Because of the the Navy inspiration that Meyer mm-hmm. brought to Star Trek, which Roddenberry – and look, I can understand. You create something and somebody comes along with a new vision. I can understand you yeah. railing against that a little bit. Uh, we are all precious of our own creations. Yeah. Now, sometimes somebody comes along and says, thank you. Go away now. I'm <laughs> going to work on this. And yeah. Don't worry. And yeah, so – but so much of the Wrath of Khan remains in play today. Like – I know Meyer himself didn't design, for example, the Reliant, but the Reliant was in a recent episode of Lower Decks. Oh yeah, you know. So like this is the these designs remain in use today. Actually, funny enough, so was the Refit Enterprise, which I know had originated in the previous <laughs> film. But yeah, you know, Khan gets name dropped every opportunity oh, that people yeah. can. Yeah. What are your feelings about J.J. Abrams pretty much remaking the Wrath of Khan in Into Darkness? <laughs> So I have no hesitation to say Into Darkness is my least favorite Star Trek film. And yeah. yes, I rank Final Frontier over Into Darkness. Wow. However, <laughs> however, before I make a bunch of enemies, um, I don't – it's not that I don't enjoy Into Darkness. I do. I just think that all of the other films bring something more original mm-hmm. to yeah. the to That's the fair. franchise. I do like the spins that they take on things. You know, I, I do enjoy – um, Benedict Cumberkan. Um, <laughs> he is. I, I like his performance. There was no reason he couldn't have been John Harrison. Right. And I'm, I have no problem with recasting Khan. But I just. I, I remember. I'm, do you remember as well? Like all of this talk where they literally. I, I think J.J. Abrams went door to door of everyone who was looking forward to this film, knocked at the door, and when you opened it, he screamed in your face, It's not, it's not Khan. Khan. Yeah. I think that he even <laughs> says that on the commentary for Star Trek 2009. Yeah. That, like, we're, we're not going to do Khan. Yeah. It's just like. So like, I mean, you're clearly going to do Khan, right? We're not doing Khan, but it's Khan, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So we're all like, the fact that Benicio del Toro had passed on, or there had been an issue that he, like, the role had passed on from him before it went to Benedict Cumberbatch. It's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Come I mean, come yeah. I mean, Benicio yeah. would be kind of the on the nose choice for Khan too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Into Darkness. I mean, it's a, it's kind of what I call a single-serving blockbuster. I think it's fun when I initially watch it, and then you put it on at home on Blu-ray, and you're like, I don't know if this movie really holds up to multiple viewings. A bit. There are bits of it I yeah. thoroughly enjoy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's It's got uh, – I am a big fan of Bang Bang Boom Boom. It's yeah. got a lot of Bang Bang Boom Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I love it. And the fact that – what is it? Um, Cumberkhan takes down an entire squadron of Klingons with a Gatling gun. I'm just like, sure. Yeah, I'd sign me up. I am <laughs> here right. for this. That's right. Um, but super blood and transwarp beaming. We no longer need Starfleet and we no longer need doctors. Oh, okay. The transwarp beaming. I can't. Yeah. 
yeah. bringing Tribbles back Great. from the dead. Um, I want to I want to close out the original series movies so that we can talk a little bit about the other uh, television series. Um, so briefly, I mean, I feel like if we go on the odd even number thing search for spock great movie love it you know what it introduces to me that i love off-duty wardrobe we yes we actually. get mr sulu in a leather cape yeah pretty fierce <laughs> um i no, actually funny enough right on that sulu in the leather cape yes 100 percent. i'm here for it i think he looks fantastic <laughs> what on earth is Chekhov wearing on the bridge of the Enterprise when oh, they steal the Enterprise? Oh, are you talking about his pilgrim, his pilgrim oh, blouse on the sheet? <laughs> yeah, or pink? It's like pink or salmon, and it's got the uh, oh my god, what is going on there? The collar, um, like it's I I I, I want to I, I I love the fact that in the film, in the film, Chekhov changes between Space Dock yes. and the Genesis Planet. <laughs> It's like they didn't have time to go back and refilm it. Yeah, and I respect yeah. I, I do respect them for leaving the scene in. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh Captain Kirk saves the whales. What do you think? Love this movie. Um is it, Love uh, this movie. it's 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 a toss-up between that and six for my favorite okay. of the original series films. Yeah. And you know who I love in The Voyage Home? Catherine Hicks. Catherine Hicks. I love Catherine Hicks. I think that she's kind of knocking this very, probably not a lot on the page of that Catherine probably really had to bring to this performance to kind of add a little more substance. But I mean, I think she's working it out in this movie. Great audience surrogate. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, You talked a little bit about uh, The Final Frontier. I think that's all we need to say about that one. <laughs> oh, but, but fan dance. Fan the dance. fan dance is great. And now, yeah. does the final front, is that the one that opens in Yosemite? Yes. Okay, that opening is insane. Go climb a yeah. rock. Go climb a Why rock. Why is Captain Kirk climbing a mountain? Because it's there. <laughs> because he wants to make love to the mountain. Oh, also that. Also that. Um. Undiscovered Country, I mean, great espionage yeah. thriller. I like I like that one because it kind of it's a nice little insular movie of that we're doing like a we're doing like an espionage movie. Yes, yes. Um Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. Fabulous. Lover. Iman. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like amazing. So good. Uh, yeah. Why does she not so act good. more after this? Because she was so good in it. Oh my yeah. goodness! Um, I mean, we could talk about the, obviously we can talk about Star Trek for uh, as long as possible, but unfortunately, we do have to wrap things up. Time uh, is not on our side today. But Sean, thank you so much for coming on this show. This was so much fun. Thank you so so much. I'm it's it's my fault. I'm sorry. I oh, thank you so okay. much for inviting me. I yeah. cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed this. Oh great, yeah, yeah. Us, us as well. Uh, why don't you plug uh, Trek culture? Tell people where they can find you so uh, our listeners can search you out. Cool. Okay, you can catch – so first of all, you can catch us on Twitter at Trek Culture. You can catch myself at Sean Ferrick on Twitter as well. We are on YouTube. Uh, type in Trek Culture. You'll find a whole rake of videos there. As you said, we've got behind the scenes. We've got 20 Things You Didn't Know About, uh, pretty much all of the films we've just discussed. Uh, we are working our way through them all. Uh, some, I think Final Frontier just dropped so nice. um, that one has just been released. Uh, we have Undiscovered Country coming up as well. And some fun some fun things 
behind the scenes of all of them. But guys, thank you so, so much yeah, for course. inviting me. I, I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're very, very we'll welcome. We'll definitely have you back on. Yeah, we'd love to have you back we'd on. We'd love to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But until then, uh, we will bid you adieu. Thank you so much. We'll let you go. Have a great time all the way over in, in Ireland. Thanks, buddy. Thank See you, you so much. You're all welcome. right. Live long and prosper. You and too. You are the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, Sean was an awesome guest. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, so good. But I think we're going to keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Star Trek television shows. Um, the movies, obviously, great. We had to kind of shuffle through those a little quickly. But I do want to talk about the shows because I think that is something that kind of brings in a lot of the queer audience to, mm-hmm. to Star Trek. And- One year of the age where... When Star Trek The Next Generation was on, you would have been young. So it would have been your first big introduction to Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then later on with, you know, with Voyager and then Deep Space – well, Deep Space Nine and then Voyager and, uh, you know, Enterprise. I'm going to leave the newer shows, Discovery – off of this, they have fully, you know, formed. You oh, know, there's fully like characters. out characters yes, on absolutely. the new ones. Yeah, there's non-binary and trans characters and all that stuff. But um, I want to talk a little bit first about Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first and foremost, we have like Daddy Riker. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Jonathan Franks yeah. as Daddy Riker. Yes. I think that he's so sexy. Jonathan Franks is mm-hmm. like, get out of here. First of all, season one, he comes on the scene, and Jonathan Franks is like 6'3", right? And in season one, he comes on, and he has this baby face and these blue eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think that I we watched an episode that we're going to talk about, and I think mm-hmm. that I looked up his age, and he would have been around my age. Yeah, when he started the show. I think when he that started he was, the show, yeah, I think he was probably in his mid thirties mm-hmm. when he when he began it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in season one, he's got this he's got this baby face, these blue blue eyes, and his brown hair, and he's tall, and just like has this deep booming voice, mm-hmm. you know. And he's you know, he's the first officer of the Enterprise, right? Yeah, and you know, Picard refers to him as number one. And, you know, in the original series, there wasn't a first officer. That You know, Spock was yeah. a science officer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a number one in the pilot, which went on to be the episode The Cage, and that was played by Magel Barrett, a female first officer, but that was scrapped because it was a little too progressive. Mm-hmm. But we got, you know, number one here. And he's kind of the Kirk surrogate in Next Generation because yeah, Picard is so definitely. different than Kirk. Um, Riker is the one that goes on away missions and begs all the sexy babes, mm-hmm. you know, and he has his affair with, you know, with Minuet and he has his affair with, you know, Deanna Troy. And yeah, I was going to say, like, him and Deanna Troy, do they sort of have an on again, off again, or or is it more of a will they, won't they They have sort a, of thing? a previous unseen relationship. When they okay, both gotcha. get on the Enterprise in the first episode, Encounter at Farpoint, they meet each other and it's very like, <gasps> they've had a past. Oh, they've had a you're past. here, yes. And she, you know, and she calls him Imzadi, which is this like Betazoid like <laughs> term of endearment, Imzadi, you know. And um, so it's always a thing whenever she courts someone, you know, an alien, you know, delegate is on the ship, and they're often, you know, going after Troy for 
whatever reason. I mean, we can't also forget, I don't know if you're one of those Trek fans that is, is Star Trek nemesis like canon or do you, are you, are <laughs> or is you, it fan fiction or is it fan fiction, but just like their wedding I mean, in that movie just I mean. feels like it should be a soap opera wedding. It really does. It feels like the wedding from General Hospital that yeah. got all, I mean, that everyone was talking about. Yeah, yeah, the wedding of the century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, it does. They finally get to... Well, and also, if, if you actually watch all of The Next Generation, there's a whole... Uh, Troy has a relationship with Worf mm-hmm. for a couple of seasons. Oh, and, love Worf. Uh, yeah, it's great. She has, it's a kind of a charming relationship because she is very, like, girly, kind mm-hmm. of Deanna Troy. Kind of their stab at an interracial relationship. I mean, hey, yeah, mm-hmm. interspecies. But, <laughs> you know, so, so Riker is this, like, super alpha male character on the show. But he also has this, like, daddy vibe. Season mm-hmm. two starts, and he comes in in this full beard. And I remember watching going, oh, I don't know about this beard. Oh, all of like 11 years old. Yeah, I can see that. And because, you know, it was so different. And it's not like today. I feel like people don't, you know. It's very like well manicured. Yeah. Spends a lot of time on his. Yeah. But I mean, Mm -hmm. before the mid 2000s and like hipster culture proliferation. It's like your your, your hippie dad would have had a beard in like the 70s. It was was a thing that only specific men who had beards wore beards and then everybody else just Mm -hmm. shaved. And if you didn't shave, like right now, five o'clock shadow and all that is completely accepted in the workplace Mm -hmm. and on red carpets and all that. But for a long time, you were either clean shaven or you had a beard or you had a mustache. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and this was that time, and so he grew. Did he have beard. a goatee in the first two seasons? He didn't. No, he never had. Oh, a goatee. he was just he, he was, was just like clean, clean face. So, you know, I think he has one of those faces for a man where I think that he has to have facial hair. I agree because he has too much of a baby face. Yeah, that I feel like if you put a beard on him, it just kind of butches him up yes. a little bit. Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, Next generation, also. Oh, well, Riker. There's a lot of great stuff. You know, with Riker that we can go into. There's the famed uh, Riker maneuver, which, if you're not familiar with, look at Google the Riker maneuver. It's this thing again. He's six foot three, and he did this thing where he would, when he would sit in a chair, he would walk up to the chair and sweep his leg around the back of the chair and sit down on it. Oh wow! Really weird. And people okay. called it the Riker maneuver because he always does it. He has gone come forward later on and said that he has a, a back issue and would have trouble like oh, okay. sitting down a certain way, and it's easier for him to like slide in from that position. So that's why he would do it. But it's a funny little character quirk of his. Um, Next Generation also has, uh, I mean, Commander Data, which I feel like women always kind of found Data fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, he became like this sex symbol, even though he's like this emotionless albino. But yeah. <laughs> um, I I always had an affinity for, for Data as a little gay kid because he, I don't know, he was like the different one. Um, and another big character for me was Wesley Crusher. Yeah. I mean, not only was he the kid, I think so that he's I think that uh he's probably a few years older than you. Yeah, he's so, about four mm-hmm. four or five years older than me, Will Wheaton. And um, you know, 
the reason he was put there was to get fans are always to really fans show. are always really hard on this character. Fans are very critical yep. of Wesley Crusher. You know, shut up, Wesley. It's a whole thing. He's a Mary Sue. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Kind of like originated the whole Mary <laughs> Sue thing. <laughs> kind right? of, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of in the fan fiction world. Um, I never had that much of a problem with Wesley as a kid. I kind of see it now. I'm kind of, I definitely see it now. Um, the problems with the character, but you know, he was there for a purpose, and that purpose was to get kids to watch the show. It's kind it of worked. the the child surrogate for the yeah, audience. Yeah, but for me as a kid, I for just me for me. When I watched, I just thought Will Wheaton was super dreamy, you know? It was just yeah, like, oh, this cute. boy, yeah. he's very cute, you know? The cute boy from Stand By Me. Yeah, it's Gordy, he's all grown up, you know? Um, and what, like, a dream job for, like, a child. Hey. Of, like, you're yeah. you're part of the crew on Star Trek. Yeah. Like, that, that would have had to have been so exciting as... A child actor to do. I mean, I'm sure that Will Wheaton had, and I know that Will Wheaton has a lot to say about the character because it was very much like, oh, you're this genius, and oh, I've seen the, I've seen the whole, I've seen Alex Winter's uh, child star documentary, and he he seems to have a lot of uh, issues that he's still working out from (laughs) his fame as a child. Yeah, which is fair. Which and I think a lot of the backlash to Star Trek kind of got to him. Yeah, as it as it probably would any young person. But for but for me as a young kid watching. It, I was very much like I. I was all about Wesley, you know. Um, okay, so you're all about the character. I totally was. I, love that. I totally was. Um, you know, his. He was there with his mom. He had no siblings. You know, um, he was super smart. So child genius. Child genius. Not that I was like a genius or smarter. I didn't uh, identify with that. But I just, you know, I was just like, all right, there's a kid there. Um, kind of a kid holding his own. Yeah. Next to all of these strong characters. Yes, yeah. And he, and again, super cute. And he wore. I mean, the the thing about Star Trek is the uniforms on these shows. They don't leave anything to the imagination. No, we. <laughs> well, were we just watching? Uh, we were watching Star Trek: The Motion, the picture, motion picture last picture, night. Yeah, and you can fully see some like dick print. Yeah. <laughs> and all of those uniforms on all of the guys. Yes, indeed. The on the, our main cast, they have a little tunic that covers it. But there's another version of the uniform that it's just a cat suit. Mm-hmm. And when the men are wearing those, you never see Kirk or McCoy or Spock in that one. But you see other people and you're just like, oh, holy moly. You can see mm-hmm. it all. But um, yeah, so when Wesley's walking around in these like little jumpsuits, I'm just like 11 years old going, all right, I like this show. <laughs> um, Deanna Troy is a drag queen. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we mentioned that that sort of as the seasons went on, yeah, uh, this uh, this actress's hair just kept getting larger and larger. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, I mean, Tro- Troy is kind of amazing. She's just like a glamorous woman. We we talked earlier about uh, Doctor Crusher, the vague accent. Of, oh, the vague of accent. Deanna Troy, yes. I'm obsessed with. I mean, Marina Sirtis has gone on record saying that she did all this work developing this accent so that it would be, like, so specific to this character and just, like, yeah. It's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Now, is she from – tell me a little of the backstory of her. Is she from Earth? Uh, Deanna Troy is half human. Okay. Her father's human. And her mother is a Betazoid. And her mother is Loaxana Troy, and she is – 
everything. She you played want to by, talk about her? Is she played queen. by anyone like? She's played by no. Major, she's played by Major Barrett, Gene Roddenberry's wife. Okay, who was number one on uh, the original series. Um, she also voices the ship's computer. Uh, she she has a lot to do with with Star Trek. She's the first lady of Star Trek, mm-hmm. Major Barrett. Um, Luxana Troy is amazing. She has a major crush on Captain Picard, and he's always like, "Ooh, I gotta go that way." Here she comes. Um, they have a very funny dynamic. She's, uh, um, I I'm not gonna remember uh, Luxana Troy's full title, but she is like royalty on Beta right. Beta Zed. And um, she has the big uh, manservant that's played by Lurch from the Adams Family who follows her around everywhere and carries all of her wardrobe in like a, a space suitcase. It's that's very – well, that's also very space balls. Yes, it's very mm-hmm. space balls. And uh, as a Betazoid, full Betazoid, uh, Luoxana, her mother, has full telepathic powers. Read people's minds. Oh, wow. Okay. Including Deanna's. That's probably why Picard didn't like to be around her. Exactly. Yep. And uh, the two of them can talk back and forth using their their, just their thoughts. But Deanna, being half human, she, with other non Betazoids, she's only empathic. Okay. Not telepathic. Mm -hmm. And as an empath, she can sense their feelings. So that's why she's so good as the ship's counselor, Mm -hmm. the ship's psychiatrist, because this show was. From the 80s. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about with uh, with Sean about Star Trek kind of dipping their toe into issues. The original series was yeah. very issues-based. So there would be episodes about racism. And there would be episodes about um, xenophobia and... Um, they would try to talk about, you know, uh, feminism, women's issues, but being, a, you know, being Star Trek and especially in the original series wasn't always perfect. As, I mean, like, uh, probably women were... Women's lib. Women's lib. It's, it's this new thing, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Well, I take it that's sort of the character of Ahura, of the, like, that's probably all that they felt like they needed. They got of that, we have this yeah. character. We've got Uhura. She's on the bridge. That, Fierce black your, woman on the bridge. There's your women's lib. There's right your women's there. lib. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I know that like actresses and comedians like Whoopi yeah. have talked about Absolutely. how much that character meant to them yes. when they were a young girl watching mm-hmm. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Of watching this cool black woman not playing a maid. Yes. Like she gets to she gets to like roll up her sleeves and have fun with everyone else. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And uh and so in the next generation they famously produced an episode titled The Outcast. We watched it last night. We watched it last night and The Outcast obliquely deals with homophobia? Homophobia um well I mean it's one of those things that when we watch this episode now in yes. 2022 yes. there's like a whole movement yes. of gender neutral gender neutral which is become very prevalent and yes. it's one of those things that they would have never even thought of that they, in 1992 when this episode came yes. out but it's interesting to revisit this now yes. and see what you draw from it. Yes. The Outcast is the 17th episode from season five, the 117th episode altogether. Air date, March 14th, 1992. 1992. And that's the thing. In 1992, they literally did not have the language mm-hmm. to say things like 
non-binary to say things like gender neutral to mm-hmm. use they them pronouns and it's all things they use the word androgynous yes. an androgynous race yes so okay in this episode this is the wikipedia yeah, give us like the sentence. give us like the one sentence this summary is the wikipedia in this episode Riker falls in love with soren a member of an androgynous race which finds gender specificity unacceptable mm-hmm Okay, and then within the episode, there's some science stuff. They always had like their basic Star Trek premise that they had to find a lost shuttlecraft. Mm-hmm. In this case, there are uh, at the very beginning of the episode, the Enterprise is contacted by the Janai. Mm-hmm. The Janai are this. As they're represented on the show, as they're called in the captain's log, an androgynous race. Which is kind of funny that whenever I when I hear androgynous now, right. I almost think of just androgynous being visual. Yes, of that it's not necessarily um, sexuality, but right. I think of it pure visual, an aesthetic, an aesthetic. Like, yeah, I'm gonna look. That's my look today mm-hmm. is, is androgyny, right? But um, what we would refer to today as a non-binary yeah. or a uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> gender, genderless, gender, gender, gender neutral, neutral gender yep. neutral mm-hmm. race of people. They have no gender. Um, they ask the crew to help them find a shuttle that has gone missing. Now, the thing about the production of this show is that it appears on screen that all of the Janai are played by women, by cisgendered mm-hmm. female actresses. And they all have a little bowl haircut, a little Mo Howard from the Three Stooges haircut, and they wear gray jumpsuits. Yeah. Kind of a little uh, Edna, of, Edna mode. A little Edna mode, mm-hmm. you know. And they kind of have like they're, – they're probably bind their chests to be a little, you know, and, androgynous. And like when they made this in 92, they felt like they probably couldn't even put men in yeah. – I even like, even as like background I was players, say, I think in the background there might be one that's a man, but I couldn't tell. But it, maybe that's I, the point. I think they're all tell. women. Yeah, but it, they're all of them that speak. They're all female, and then most of them that you can see, they they all look like clearly they're women, right? Mm-hmm. In this, you know, in this Mo Howard wig. Um, so Riker and the one main, you know, Janai, their name is Soren. They are working together to, like, find this the shuttle, and um, Riker and Soren hit it off. Mm-hmm. And Soren... Soren has a lot of questions about uh, humans and their sexuality and yeah. their sexual organs. Yeah. There's some cute scenes with uh, Jonathan Franks where she's asking him about his dick. Where she's straight up like, show me your dick. Show, yeah. like, she's very <laughs> curious about his dick, and... Yeah. I mean, Riker is, is a gentleman, yeah. too. Yeah. So, but I mean, just sort of kind of tells her what's up with sexualities yeah. on yeah. planet Earth. With gender mm-hmm. and, you know, and all of that. I also really like her interactions with Beverly Crusher, too. Yes. When she asks her about being a woman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor, you are female. Yes. Forgive me, I do not mean to be rude, but I'm curious. What is it like? Well, it's... It's just the way I am. I've never really thought about what it's like. I notice you tend to have longer hair, Hmm. and you arrange it more elaborately, and you apply color to your bodies. 
color. You put color on your mouth and your eyes, your cheeks and your fingernails. The men don't. That's true. Then it is up to women to attract the men. Oh, no. Men want to be attractive, too. Believe me, they just go about it differently. No color. No color. They like to pretend they're not doing anything to attract a woman, even when it's the most important thing on their minds. This is very confusing. Then, are women considered more superior? Or the men? Neither. In the past, women were often considered weak and inferior. But that hasn't been true for a long time. Um, because Riker has questions as well. He's very mm-hmm. much like, what is, you know, I can't even imagine not having any gender. It doesn't sound like any fun. And, you know, when they talk about reproduction... And he's Reproduction, like, <laughs> and he's just like it's very, you know, pleasurable for you yeah. know for us, and because she almost thinks that it's just a you just have to you just have to inseminate yeah. the woman, and like that's all, yeah, and and, and uh, Riker is kind of like, well, there's a little more to it than that, yeah, we yeah. get a little more into it, yeah, yeah. So when then when uh, they have like a little, I think there's a little accident. On the ship, so she has to go talk to Crusher and get, you know, straightened mm-hmm. up. And when then she's talking about Crusher, and she's like, "Oh, you're, you're a female," mm-hmm. and I can tell because like you wear makeup on your face. And yeah, she you wear your she, hair. Clocks, she clocks the mug. Yeah, yeah. And your hair is more is elaborate. I mean, all we we like, talked yes, about it fierce. with Sean, but I mean, Gates Gates McFadden. Yes, she's Gates so McFadden. beautiful. So beautiful. Like so, just like classically beautiful woman that yes. you would have seen working the rounds in the 80s. <laughs> yes. She uh she came from choreography. I was wondering if she was a dancer or a model. She was a okay. dancer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think she's choreographed some interesting things. All she right. actually I think she did uh some of the Muppet movies. There's okay. a lot of like song and dance numbers in those. Okay, I know she's in one as a as a on screen role. Oh, but I she think is because... the director of choreography and Mupp- and puppet movement from Labyrinth. Well, there you go. So she helped you choreographed uh, Dance Magic Dance. Yes, how fierce is that? Yeah, and her name is Cheryl Gates. Is her maiden name? So okay, she just went by Gates McFadden for some reason. Okay, I mean it's 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 pretty fierce. Yeah, but much like you know like. Peppa from Salt and Peppa, her real name Cheryl. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Soren finally has like a coming out scene. Yeah, with Riker, and it's it's played straight at, straight up like a coming out scene. Yeah, yeah. Two. And Riker is fully just like, well, I'll be damned. I mean, I have a hard time <laughs> picturing the writer of this episode not 
thinking of a coming out scene. Well, of course, obviously, yeah. Like, I think that yeah. you sort of have to draw on that yeah. when yeah. writing it, and that's yeah. how it's played, too. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is kind of boundary-pushing for 1992. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it would have been even more boundary-pushing if this would have been played by a man. It would have been a little more interesting. I mean, but, I mean, 92. Yeah. I get it. Well, did you, I mean, did you continue to read the trivia from IMDb about No, this? tell me. Jonathan Frakes was pushing for them to, to hire a man. Oh, I love that. Yeah. He was like, "No, it's gonna. It'll be better. This it'll is, be. It'll be more impactful if abs- it is a man. Absolutely. Sure. That, I think that's exactly what he said. That it would okay. be impactful. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that he was game for that. Yeah. That I mean to He's, really go in that direction. He said that the episode was not daring enough. Okay. That they that, uh, and then once they cast this woman, that she should have been more evidently male. Male. Presenting okay. Sure. If they if they were going with women, you know, or female actors. So, yeah, I think that that's really cool of Jonathan Frakes to be like, if we're going to do this, let's just fucking do it. Yeah. You know? Um, but, again, I think this is boundary pushing enough. Um, it's one of those things where you think, you know, Star Trek is a sci-fi property. So while this whole episode is talking about that there are a lot of queer fans, there are probably more straight fans that are watching yeah. going, what? In the mm-hmm. hell that, am I watching Did you watch right that now? weird episode yeah. of Next Gen last night? Yeah. Where Riker kissed the mm-hmm. dude, you know? The rest of the episode is crazy because we find out that not only is it, like, this, like, cultural, like, taboo that some of the people ha- do identify as male or female, but that when it's found out that they're mm-hmm. completely brainwashed well, with conversion therapy. Soren also talks about knowing children yeah. when they were young. Yeah. Of getting bullied. Yeah. When they pick a specific gender, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that they were taken away. Yeah. Put into the conversion therapy, and they came back. And in front of the whole school was just like, I'm cured. That shit's real, man. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So, you know, the rest of the episode is kind of nuts because she kind of gets outed, put on trial. Yeah. Riker goes to the trial and is like, no, 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 this is whack. You can't like, you can't do this. And they're like, no, 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 it's done. She's going to be converted. And Riker fully offers to give Soren asylum and take them onto the enterprise as like Mm -hmm. a refugee. Yeah. And there's like, no, can't do it. Prime directive. Can't interfere. Mm -hmm. The last scene where Riker and Worf go down to the planet to break Soren out. I mean, also it's amazing. Kind of a big episode for Worf too, yes. because you kind of get some. I mean, I'll say homophobia. Yeah, when he finds out. Yeah, that there's only one gender. Yeah, and he's just like, the fuck is up with that? Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, like doesn't get it. Yeah, I can't with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in their poker game, which you. Oh my god, love. the poker game I love. <laughs> Just like a Thursday night on the on the Enterprise <laughs> yeah, poker yeah. with Data in his like green visor. Yes, yes. The senior staff. So this is mm-hmm. one of those things. If you worked on the Enterprise as like, what would you do in the Enterprise? Would you run like the pet store? Oh geez, I would. I mean, I would probably work in the gift shop or something. <laughs> I would be like a barista. You can work with something, Whoopi. Something lame. Okay, I will. I'll be Whoopi's barback. Yeah, you can be Whoopi's barback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk shit with her and like <laughs> clean tables. Yeah. I would do that on the Enterprise. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I'd probably I mean, know. I'm definitely not cool or smart enough to like work on the bridge. To be crew. Yeah. I don't want that much responsibility. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know. Would I run the daycare center? Uh, would that be a bad idea? Probably. Yeah. Maybe I'd open up a... I mean, I think that you would work in... candle in, store? In human resources. In human resources? Okay, You'd yeah. be making sure... Well, I don't know. Are you paid on the Enterprise? <laughs> they don't believe in money. So it's... I mean, I mean, they're giving you a place to stay. So, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'd imagine that they don't really pay you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd work in human resources. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'd make sure that everybody's like... Com badges are working. Mm-hmm. You know, if they get locked out of their quarters... You know, I mean, you work customer service now for yeah. a software company, so yeah, yeah. you could do something like that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you know, if they have any problems with their, you know, with their replicator and their mm-hmm. and their quarters, they call me and I'd like fix it. Okay, sure. There we go. And you're and you're the bar back at yeah. ten, at ten forward. Love it. But I mean, they they're probably going to need some help every now and then at the pet store. Like, I wonder if they have like in, if there is a full like mall. In the in the enterprise baseball status, it's big enough. Mm-hmm. The enterprise is huge. As there are videos on Trek culture, close all the stores in the mall. There, <laughs> there are videos on Trek culture talking about how big physically the enterprise is, and that it's so big, and that even with a crew of like eight hundred people, that there that you could like walk down those hallways and like not run into anybody mm-hmm. for like five full minutes. So there's probably a full mall with like a circus and like a food court, mm-hmm. yeah, all that. Um, anyway, <laughs> I like to well, I, I like to kind of dig into shit like that. Yeah, the real, the day to day, the day to day life of working on one of these ships. Yeah. And yeah, the poker game, I love it. Yeah, we love. Yeah, we love the poker game. They, I mean, I I kind of want to see like a strip poker game with all of these ooh, characters. Hey, there you go. I mean, I think that you'd have to take off that full jumpsuit, so that would be like one. <laughs> well, hand. that's one piece. Yeah, just mm-hmm. a zipper. Yeah. By this time, the top uh, is a pullover, and it's separate from the pants. Mm-hmm. But not for the ladies. They still had the one piece sexism. Um. So yeah, Worf exhibits a little bit of like just kind of he's he's weirded out kind of by mm-hmm. the Janai. But then later on, when he talks to Riker, he's like, "He's gonna go help break her right, out, bitch. Yep. Let's do this. You're my friend, and if you're gonna go down there and bust some heads, I'm going with mm-hmm. you." Which is great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, perfect Worf. Yeah, moment. Um. And it's just so sad when they go down there and Soren's like, yeah, too late. She's kind of, they've just sort of resigned. Yeah. Well, I think they already started the brainwashing process. Mm-hmm. I think they already started the the conversion therapy. Yeah. So Soren's just like, nope, I love it here. I'm mm-hmm. happy. I'm cured. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, a female anymore. And it kind of ends the show on, this, on a bummer note, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, not usual. And she was neither, they were never heard, heard nor seen again. from again. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the last we hear of Soren or the Janai. But, well, they're rude anyway uh, mm-hmm. with that conversion therapy nonsense. But good episode. But yeah, it's a really good episode. Yeah, super it's, a, memorable. it's a famous one for, for that kind of, for that subject matter and storyline. Um, yeah, especially kind of where. Culture didn't really have specific um, a lot of language for yeah. gender gender yeah. neutral. Yeah. Or, well, that's the thing. I think yeah. they were just going for this allegory mm-hmm. about gay people, and they're like, "Okay, here's a way we can do it with yeah. you know without really doing and it." And it's but sort of like so doing, thirty some years later, yeah. it works almost literally. Yeah. In so mm-hmm. doing that, they introduce these concepts of non-binary and gender, mm-hmm. you know, gender neutral and 
and and all of that, which they weren't even really going for or trying to address. Yeah, and and, and Riker's just like, I don't know what to do with your pronouns. I can't call you it. Mm-hmm. And Soren doesn't even say, well, we use they, them. Soren's just like, yeah. oh, we have a word you couldn't understand. I was even calling Soren yeah. she earlier, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't misgender Soren. Um, well, I think the Soren of the beginning of the episode would have gladly gone by she. Oh, this is very, very true. Riker yep. refers mm-hmm. to Soren as she. They're not they them until after the brainwashing. So yeah, so it's it's complicated. Works. There's layers. Yes, there's layers like mm-hmm. an onion. Um, not a lot more with uh, queer characters in Next Generation. Um, we've talked a little bit about you and I have talked about the character of Ensign Hawk from First Contact, the movie. Yeah, played by Neil McDonough. I've seen Neil McDonough randomly around the city. I oh, think really? I've seen him like twice. Oh, okay. I've seen him at the Grove. Interesting. I think that he was doing press for one of the Paul Blart Mall Cop oh, movies. And I saw him at the Grove movie theater. And okay. I was like, oh shit. All right. All right. Uh, well, this character, Ensign Hawk, apparently in the script, mm-hmm. there is a line indicating that. Or if they shot done. it, it was cut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, side note, I just read this thing that Neil McDonough excuse me, Neil McDonough is, um, kind of has like a, I don't know if it's like a clause in his contracts or something, but he is very, uh, spiritual and will not kiss a woman on screen because he's married. Oh, that's very sweet of him. That's interesting. That That's interesting. Okay. Like that might, that might, kind of uh unless it goes off in, some opportunities unless but... <laughs> it goes in some weird um uh sisters on full house um kirk kirk cameron, oh, kirk cameron. directions <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. some growing pains i don't know i don't think it goes that far okay. but it, it is a, i thought it was a little interesting interesting but that, I mean, okay that's a side note about neil mcdonough and yeah so that's kind of the only really other i mean in star trek beyond a few years ago it was sort of an issue that uh sulu was gay Yes. And George Takei kind of made some controversial statements yeah. of this is not the character of Sulu. Right. Which I would argue <laughs> that the J.J. Abram movies are operating from a completely different timeline. And why can't Sulu be like... Because it's just the Sulu timeline. The timeline doesn't change your orientation. The yeah, timeline just but just changes. like this is such an opposite character from what he was playing. Right. Or like in a different universe. Yeah. So why can't the character be yeah. gay? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. True. Um, uh, I want to talk briefly about uh, Deep Space Nine has a, a... I hesitate to call it a lesbian kiss. But there's a kiss between two female characters, uh, between Dax and um, and Kira. Now, is Deep Space Nine the one that you said that they always get their guys like with their shirt off? No, that's Enterprise. Enterprise, that's okay. Enterprise, yeah. Deep Space Nine is the one in, uh, on the space station by the wormhole. It's very action-oriented. You don't like that one at all. <laughs> is, that, is that the one with Scott Bakula? That's Enterprise. Enterprise, okay. Yeah. Deep Space Nine. I think I would has, like Enterprise more. I think you'd like Enterprise more. Um, Deep Space Nine has uh, it's got Worf. He moved over after after Next Generation ended, um, but it has a it has a a, a female on female kiss. Um, it has some interesting concepts with uh, Dax, who is a symbiotic character. Mm-hmm. They are a 
centuries old slug that gets put in different bodies as the bodies die off it gets taken out and put it put in a new one its previous host was an old man okay and so commander cisco refers to dax as old man even though she's like a 28 year old beautiful woman and um Worf meets her and they fall in love and they end up getting married and one of the klingons a very old klingon uh, there's a very cool line where he's just like, hey, see, it's Dax. It's my old friend. And she's like, well, yeah, it's me. And mm-hmm. he's just like, sweet. What's, what's been going on? <laughs> you know, doesn't care that it's like a lady now. Just kind of like, all right, you just changed your, your gender right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Voyager. Captain Janeway. Captain Janeway. <laughs> I mean... You love you love Captain Janeway. I love Kate Mulgrew. Mm-hmm. I love Captain Janeway. I, she's doing a permanent Catherine Hepburn impression. I mean, I'm that's okay just sort of her gig. It. That's her gig. That's been her. I mean, even before Star Trek, mm-hmm. I think that she just sort of emulated Catherine. Yeah, I'm not coming mm-hmm. for that wig. I'm just like I'm. I'm here for it. That like mid Atlantic voice. Yes. Yeah. 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 And um, she play. I mean, she's a female captain. She's very. I mean, shoot. I I feel like in most of my grown up jobs I have had female bosses. Same. Yep. You know, and I'm just like, all right. I answered cool. a female authority well. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um and so to me it's not like, oh wow, that's so weird to have a female captain, but it's like that was groundbreaking, you mm-hmm. know. Um The Seven of Nine character comes around in season four, and there's been famously some talk of is there sexual tension between Janeway and Seven of Nine mm-hmm. in their, you know, in their antagonistic, sometimes antagonistic relationship? I know that a lot of the, some of the fans are just like, I don't see it. You're projecting things on there. But those could also be fans that are, those could also be people that just, I don't know, maybe they just don't want to see things. I mean, that's <laughs> what you could say about a good majority of the movies that we do on our show. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Definitely with something like Fight Club that we've done. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. People saying, oh, you're just putting what you want to see on there, your agenda, you're, you're, you're broadcasting your agenda onto something. It's like, no, we're not broadcasting our agenda. It's there. So I think that famously there is there is some, some tension between these two characters, and there's been a lot of... Uh, Slash fan fiction. I mean, I just immediately think of comic book guy. Oh, Captain Janeway. Downloading his <laughs> Captain Janeway image on his computer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, Star Trek famously has always in every show, there's always a sexy, beautiful female character in mm-hmm. tight fitting clothes. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, I think they kind of broke the mold when they got to Jerry Ryan. Yeah. In this cat suit. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, Babu is... Jerry Ryan's pretty fierce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It is like bombshell. But the thing is, and I think they tried to pair her off with Chakotay, and I think, you know, uh, Ensign Kim was into her for a while, but Ensign Kim was into every everybody with tits just because he was hard up. But, uh, you know... I think really what the fans took from it was this relationship that she had with Janeway, which, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like I said, it was a little antagonistic, but 
I think that I think there might be something there. Okay, all right. To it, so yeah, I would I would suggest looking into looking into that, googling that, seeing some. Of, I think there's some supercuts on YouTube about you know Jane Wayne Seven and their mm-hmm. the little. Now, what was forth. the Star Trek show of the guy that was in like his his like blue and yes. his his blue his uh blue tank yeah. and his little his little tight fitting trunks trunks yes so that is enterprise that scene was giving me very those gay movies that are shot in the valley <laughs> with just like <laughs> that are on amazon Prime. this guy that's just <laughs> yeah. like walking down a hallway with like ambient noise yes yes so enterprise is with scott bakula it takes place right. before the original series so it's a very early version of of Star Trek. I remember you got really excited during one of the newer Star Trek movies and you saw the ship mm-hmm. from this one. That's in Beyond. Beyond, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they reference it they reference quite a bit of Enterprise Easter eggs in Beyond. Um The men on Beyond are all built and they're all super handsome. Mm-hmm. All Definitely a type. Yeah. Definitely a type. Scott Bakula, uh, the uh, the engineer, uh, his name is Trip. The actor is named Connor Trenier. They found any and every excuse to put him in his Starfleet issue underwear. They um, they would do this thing because it was early on in Star Trek lore. So they would do this thing where they would when they would come back from alien planets, they would have to. Kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Like scrub each other down. Sure. Make sure that you didn't get any germs yeah. or anything. Yeah. So they'd like get put in this room, which is like a sauna. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to like rub this goo on each other. They did a lot. All right. They did a lot. And um, I mean, just you can also just Google like Star Trek Enterprise shirtless. And there's a ton of pictures, including Bakula, you know, who's a very yeah. handsome man. You know, even at that time, you know, he's uh, was the captain, but he still had a great bod. Mm-hmm. And so they found ev- every, you know, chance to put Trip in in that underwear. And there was that scene where he's like, the entire ship is knocked out. And he's like tiptoeing around in the little blue, tight blue panties. Okay. So, he, uh, uh, this actor did that weird Stargate Origins mm. show, which followed... Uh, the the old lady when she was a young girl. Oh, interesting. She was okay. on that. And I think okay. that they just Oh no, that was a full series it looks like. Oh. I was wondering if they just did like a like a TV movie of it sure, when it was sure. passed, but it looks like they did the it looks like they did at least one season of it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so yeah, so that's Enterprise. Also a fun show. Um I didn't watch the entire run of it, so I don't have Enterprise ran from 2001 to 2005 and probably yeah, one seasons. of the last major Star Trek shows before it was the new ones mm-hmm. on CBS. It absolutely mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Um, when Discovery rolled around, like we said, we've got, you know, Wilson Cruz, we've got Anthony mm-hmm. Rapp, two out queer actors playing a couple on the show. We've got a lot of, you know, um, new characters coming in. So there's a lot of representation on that show. So I don't feel like we really need to go too deep in there. But there's so much in in Star Trek. And there's so much, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, Sean kind of hit it when he said that, you know, the show is about a very hopeful version mm-hmm. of the future. Yeah, know, especially where, how it was when it was initially created. Yes, yes. And so I think that's why people just have a very hopeful kind of outlook when they watch it. And maybe that is why, why you know, so many queer people kind of gravitate to it and, and stuff. 
stick with it for so long. Well, so. I like Star Trek because it reminds me of my relationship with you. So I'm not, I mean, I didn't grow up on a lot of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of Star Trek. I think I've gotten to the point where I've seen all of the movies. Sure. I've seen them all at least once. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of bits and pieces of all the shows, mm-hmm. but it mainly reminds me of my relationship with you because yeah. you love Star Trek. We got yes. our engagement photos taken at Vascus Rocks. Yes. Vascus Rocks. Yeah. And there is a very famous episode of the original series mm-hmm. where they go to Vascus Rocks. Yes. And just when you walk around when you walk around that little park, it it's like you've stepped into a Star Trek episode. Yep. It's like mm-hmm. you're on, on Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the big part big part of my my childhood and mm-hmm. and and i love it i have you have a star trek tattoo and you have a star wars tattoo you I so do. you have both i do absolutely. you kind of prove all of uh the fans wrong of just like <laughs> you have to pick a side yeah yeah you do, mm-hmm. absolutely do not yeah you can you like can both. love both yeah absolutely yes indeed so yeah i i mean i hope this kind of like shed a little bit of light into uh our Star Trek, and I'm I'm glad we we're able to get to it because I was worried we were yeah. going to be able to talk about Star Trek because none of the and I know that we've always talked about maybe doing a TV month mm-hmm, of talking mm-hmm. about stuff like Star Trek or my yeah. so-called life yes. or Square Pegs, yeah, yeah, yeah. just sort of That's these kind of cult TV shows that we loved. So I like that we just kind of had a broad discussion of yeah. this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Same here. So. Um, yeah, th- thanks again to Sean for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. That was great. I wish we had a little bit more time, but hopefully we'll be able to get him on in the future to do a- another episode and we can talk to Sean a little bit more. And you said he's a pretty big uh he has a big YouTube channel. If you're into Star Trek, well, you yeah, probably Trek culture. Yeah, yeah, Trek culture, the Trek yeah. Culture channel is mm-hmm. it's pretty If you're into Star Trek, I definitely recommend checking it out. They do full recaps of all the shows. They do really fun, you know, videos about, you know, taking deep dives into different ships and, you know, different, you know, aspects of He dissects the Star uniforms Trek. a lot. He loves the uniforms. Mm-hmm. He's a big cosplayer, so so Sean likes to talk about the uniforms. So, so yeah, so go check that out over at Trek Culture on YouTube. And um, go follow Sean on uh, on Instagram as well. So yeah, I think it's just uh, it's just about that time in the show. Uh, wrap stuff up. Yeah, time yeah. to wrap it up. Time to wrap it up. And I think right now we will take this moment to do some Patreon shout-outs. Patreon shoutouts. Yay! Indeed. <laughs> uh, let's uh, say a big old hello and hey and thank you to all of our patrons Melanie, Christopher, Russ, Seth, Esperanza, Nicole, Susan, Barry, JJ, Leighton, Shelby, Michael, Charlie, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Joshua, Emily, Millie, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, Nick, Christine, uh, oh, Nick and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. Thank you for Thanks so much. Thank you for following us on Patreon. And uh, out there, listeners, if you're not there, head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay to see mm-hmm. all the supplemental content we have to offer. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff on Patreon, including commentary tracks, uh, behind the scenes photos. We'll have another commentary track out very, very soon. Yes, indeed. Yes, when this indeed. episode comes out. Newsletters, uh, seasonal playlists our oscar episode will be coming out soon oscars Mm -hmm. at the end at the end of the month Mm -hmm. it'll end up on patreon about the week before yes indeed so go check that 
out. We'd also love it if you would uh, rate and review us. Head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Give us five stars. Yes, indeed. And also write us a review. If you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on social media. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter at NTMUGpod. Yes, indeed. You can follow our personal socials. My name's Pete. I am at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox just under my, just under my name. Yes, indeed. So uh, thanks for taking this journey into the future mm-hmm. with us. And we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.